أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسوله سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه وأزواجه وذرياته وأهل بيته ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين وبعد قال الله تبارك وتعالى في كتابه الكريم إن الدين عند الله الإسلام Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in his book that the way is only one way. It's just only one way. It's Islam. There's no such thing as deens like in the plural. There's only one deen. Everything else is a faker. Everything else is a fake. It masquerades as a deen. The only deen is one deen. There's one Allah. There's one universe. The same deen is here in the earth and it's the same deen in the heavens. It's the same deen for the animals. It's the same deen for the trees and for the rivers and for the rocks and for the, for, the, for the ground. It's the same deen for the sky. It's the same deen for the insan, for the human being and for the jinn. And it's the same deen for all of the angels. It's only one and all, it, all that deen is is what? Is it's Islam. And what is Islam? The foundation of Islam is La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. That there is no God except for Allah and that Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is the messenger of Allah. This Muhammad Rasulullah, this is not something, this is not something that started 1400 years ago. Rather, it comes in the Athar that this is something that's etched into the Arsh of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The throne of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not a chair in the sky. Rather, rather it is an edifice of light that bounds the known universe from every side. All of the known universe is small in front of the Arsh of Allah ta'ala that bounds the known universe from every side, just like if a person threw a ring into the desert. This is an expression in classical Arabic. It's like saying needle in a haystack. In fact, it's even less than what a needle in a haystack would be. One possible wisdom and hikmah of this is what? Is so that even the angels in the heavens that can travel like light and that are named like Jibra'il, like the brute force of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that are so great in their power and so great in their physical form that when they see this edifice of light that bounds the entire universe from every side, they know that the one who created this arsh, the one who created this arsh, that one overwhelms all of the rest of creation. And inside that arsh, from before any human being was on the earth, what was written in that arsh? La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah. Before anybody even knew who Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam was, Allah Ta'ala had his name etched into that arsh, and etched into that throne, and he put his name with the name of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, so much so that no generation came from the time of Sayyidina Adam alayhi salam until the coming of our Mubarak Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, except for what? Every Nabi gave the bishara and the glad tidings and the good news that one day this Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam will come. And just like it is wajib, it is an obligation on every one of us to believe in him in order to become a Muslim, in order to enter Jannah. It, is, it was wajib and it was an obligation on every single one of those nations from before us that they had to believe in Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam without having seen him, without having heard him, without him ever having been born yet even. What? Without him even having been born yet, it was wajib, it was an obligation, it was a necessary part of their deen in order that they believe in him. Why do you think that the Yahud are in the Arabian Peninsula? Jews, their, their ancestral homeland isn't in the Arabian Peninsula. Where is it? It's up north, it's in Sham. It's by Al-Quds al-Sharif, Jerusalem, and by, by uh, 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 what we can call now Palestine. That's where they're. Uh, forefathers lived for so many generations. Why was it that there are Jews in Medina and Jews in, in, in Tema? Why is it that there's uh, Jews in Juhfa? Why? Because all of the, not just one, every single one of the Anbiya gave the glad tidings of the coming of the Prophet Muhammad to their people. Why is it that the Prophet so many of the, 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 the monks and the priests of the Christians, they waited for him, they saw the signs of his nubuwa to the point where uh, uh, Khadija, Sayyidah Khadija radiallahu ta'ala anha, the first thing she did after the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa told him, told her that he received a revelation from the angel Jibreel alayhi salam, the first thing she did was to take her to, take the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa to take him to her cousin Warakat ibn Nawfal. Right, she's Khadija, Khadija to uh, 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 bint, bint al-Khuwaylid. Uh, and he's Warakat ibn Nawfal. And Nawfal and Khuwaylid are, are, are brothers. That she took, she took him sallallahu alayhi wa to her cousin, Waraka, who was a Christian, 
who was a person who knew how to read uh, the Torah, who was a person who knew how to read the Injil, the Gospels. Not the ones that the, our church, uh, you know, our friends and neighbors over here, they carry a, a Bible uh, and they say this is the, the Gospel according, according to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the original language of which is Greek. She took, she took who? She took uh, the Prophet ﷺ to Warakat ibn Nufal, who was a man who could understand the actual tongue of Sayyidina Isa ﷺ. Syriac and Aramaic, the actual tongue of Sayyidina Isa she took to, to, to those original Christians who knew about the teachings of Sayyidina Isa they were still alive in those days. There was still some part of it that was alive in those days. And what did he say? What did he say to uh, the Prophet Imagine someone goes to Mulana Faraz and says, oh look, you know, my, my uh, uh, husband, he saw a, a dream in which the angel came to him and gave him revelation and, you know, whatever. What he says is the, the guy is hallucinating, he's on drugs, he's tripping. Why? Because it's well known that, that there's no Nabi after the Prophet What does it mean that the Waraqat ibn Nufal is a man who's a convert to Christianity? Anyone here? There are brothers here that converted to Islam from other religions. You know how hard it is to leave the faith of your forefathers? You know how hard it is to go against your family members, to go against your uh, loved ones, to go against your society, to go against every trend and to leave your religion. The Arabs used to love their forefathers so much, they used to worship them. You know how hard it was for them to leave the religion of their forefathers that this person abandoned the, the, the shirk of Jahiliyyah and he accepted Christianity and none of the, none of the uh, Quraysh were Christians. And very few of the Arabs were Christians at the time. That's how dedicated and sincere he was that even being a Qurashi, being a person of Quraysh in the middle of Mecca, he held fast to his religion. If the da'wah and the claim of the Prophet ﷺ was a joke, or if it was mental illness, or if it was psychological problems, what would he have said? He said, get away from me, I, I, I want nothing to do with you. Get away from me, I want nothing to do with you. Rather, what was it? He was the one dedicated to the deen of Sayyidina Isa ﷺ. He saw the Prophet ﷺ and he heard the description of the experience that the Prophet ﷺ had. And he knew that Sayyidina Isa ﷺ also gave the bishara, the glad tidings to his followers. That this Nabi Muhammad ﷺ, he's going to come before the end of time. And all of the work that I started that wasn't done. That was undone by the corrupt from the Banu Israel. That was undone from the Romans and from the Greeks. All of that work, don't worry about it. It will be completed at the hands of Sayyidina Rasulullah ﷺ. It's a hadith of, it's a hadith narrated by Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Umar ibn al-Asr radiallahu ta'ala anhu. One of the first converts to Islam at the hands of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, who was also a Christian before, before the advent of Islam and knew Hebrew and also knew uh, uh, the language, the ancient Semitic language of Christian scripture. Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Umar ibn al-Asr radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he was once asked by uh, uh, somebody else later on, Tell me, describe to me the Prophet ﷺ, Describe him to me with some of his attributes that are described in the, the Hebrew scripture of Banu Israel. And he quotes a tract from Isaiah that, that you will be Ummi, you will be Nabi Ummi. You're not going to be a person who reads and writes. Rasulullah ﷺ didn't read and he didn't write ﷺ. All of his teaching and all of his uh, 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 transmission was all oral. It was all oral. Why? Because a person who doesn't read and write can follow the sunnah of a person who doesn't read and write. And a person who reads and writes can follow the sunnah of a person who doesn't read and write. Whereas a person who doesn't read and write cannot follow the sunnah of a, a literate person. You cannot follow if someone has read too much, you can't follow what they're saying. But the Prophet ﷺ, one of his many miracles was that everything he did, everything he said, there was such simplicity in it, everybody could understand. He could make something difficult. Some people, their knuckleheads, they make simple things as if they're very complicated. But the Prophet ﷺ, what was his genius? That he could make things that were even complicated, easy for otherwise knuckleheaded people like myself to understand. So... Rasulullah said that Abdullah bin Amr bin As is saying that Allah Ta'ala said that you are, you are, you are my uh, prophet and you are my slave and I love you and you will be ummi, you will be unlettered, you will not be, you will be like a normal person from the regular people of the earth. You're not going to be someone uh, 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 fancy in the way you talk or in the way that you dress or in the way that you conduct yourself, you'll be a normal person. He says that, he says that, المتوكل, I name you the one who put his trust on me. The one who put his trust on me. That one day Allah Ta'ala gave him 
this uh, uh, responsibility of Nubuwa. He sent an angel to him. He didn't schedule an appointment. He didn't ask him, do you want this trust or not? He didn't ask him, do you uh, uh, want to be a Nabi? If it, someone asked us, well, yeah, I want to be, I want to have my name and picture up everywhere. I want to be famous. I want everyone to shake my hands with great honor and with great, no. He didn't ask any of those things. Rasulullah what was he trying to do? He literally was trying to worship Allah in a place where no one could see him. In a place where what? In a place where no one could see him. That he could see the house of Allah, the Ghar Hira, the cave of Hira where the Prophet would go. He would take a very small amount of food with him and climb up a mountain. Most of us are probably not in shape enough to climb up that mountain. And he would stay there with a small amount of food just enough to survive. He would stay there for several days in a, in a row. And he could just barely see the Kaaba from, from, from far away. And that this is what? His time, this is my time with Allah Ta'ala. That's it, nobody else. With the love that somebody, imagine like a, 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 a person gets married, a newly wed couple, they don't want to spend the entire night at the, at the wedding party. Why? They want to spend the time alone with one another. Who cares about everybody else when we have each other? He wanted to spend the time with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that was his secret between him and Allah ta'ala. He didn't ask for any of these things. He didn't want any of these things. He never wanted leadership, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Even in Jahiliyyah, they called him Al-Ameen. He, they used to come to him to settle their disputes. He would never say, I'm the judge. Why don't you uh, uh, ask me to judge? Abu Jahl was like that. Abu Jahl prided himself on being a man of great wisdom that he settles, I'll settle people's disputes. And he used to call himself Abu Al-Hakam, the, 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 the one possessed of great wisdom. And when the Prophet Wasallam's wisdom eclipsed the wisdom of, of Abu Jahl, Allah showed who is Jahl and who's, who has the hikmah. The Prophet ﷺ didn't ask for any of these things. But when they were put on his shoulder, he realized how great of a responsibility it was and it scared him. It scared him. You know how much it scared him ﷺ? He went back to Sayyidah Khadija anha, and he's shaking. He's shaking. He's like completely like, it's, it's overwhelmed him. He's like gone into shock. He's gone into shock. Brothers and sisters, what is it that the Prophet ﷺ understood that we didn't understand, that you and I didn't understand? That when you take this message of La ilaha illallah to people, it's going to be hard, it's going to be a difficult task. For you to live on it on your own is difficult enough. <coughs> Rasulullah ﷺ was living according to that. To take it to other people then, how difficult is it going to be? It caused them to go into shock ﷺ, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do this? If we understood and we wanted to follow the, 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 the path of Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, mashallah, the name is very epic of the retreat, the Muhammadan reality, right? The Haqiqa Muhammadiyah. You want to know the reality of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam? It was a shock when the angel Jibreel brought him uh, the first five verses of Surah, Surah Iqra, Surah Al-Alaq. It was a shock. We, we say this is Juz Amma, we teach our children this and we don't give it a second thought. <coughs> it's difficult. Do you know what it means? Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said that Khadija radiallahu anha calmed him down and took him to what? To Waraqat ibn Nufal. And Waraqah said, this is the same namus that came down on, uh, on the, uh, this is the same word that came down on, uh, on, on Sayyidina Musa alayhi salam. This is the one that's coming down on you right now. He said, one day because of this, your people are going to throw you out. And I wish Allah gave me enough life that on that day I could help you. I could be there to take the pain and take the difficulty and make sacrifice with you on that day. Rasulullah will my people throw me out? His people loved him wasallam. He was the nicest person in the world. You know, oftentimes many of the fights we get into, we can avoid them just by being nice. Just by being nice to people. We can avoid many of the fights that we get into just by being nice to people. There's nobody who understood this system better than the Prophet wasallam at that time even. He said, are my people going to throw me out? What did he say? Very ominous words that nobody came with this, with this thing that you have except for his people will oppose him because of it. What did they understand that we don't understand? What does it mean that, that, what, that, that the description of the Prophet ﷺ in the Torah is what? That Allah Ta'ala said, I name you the one who puts his trust on me. How is he going to do any of these things? You know, Jahiliyyah is like not Jahiliyyah for free. Jahiliyyah is not Jahiliyyah for free. It's not the age of ignorance. They didn't just call it the age of ignorance just to sound cool. I mean, they were some ignorant people. They were some very ignorant people. Can you imagine the gall of a man who could bury his own infant daughter alive? How heartless and how cruel and how sick and disgusting and twisted that person is going to be. You think he's going to care about somebody else? You think when you tell him to give zakat to somebody else's daughter, he's going to give, give that money? 
You think when you tell him to uh, speak the truth, even though it's against himself for somebody else's benefit, he's going to do it? Absolutely not. That person will kill you and they won't even bat an eyelash. They won't even blink. That person will kill you. Imagine that person who's heartless enough to kill his own children, to kill his own baby daughter nonetheless. That person, imagine, do you think they're going to care before they kill you? Do you think they're going to care? It's going to bother them any, any one bit that they're going to cry and make toba later? Absolutely not. Those were the most scary of people. Those were the most animal-like of people. You know, like there are some animals, there are some animals that are like this, that the young, they have to leave right away once they're born. Why? Because if they stick around too long, their parents will eat them. There are many animals like that. You think a shark, if it's a baby shark sticks around with its mother, that it's going to survive? Absolutely not. It has, to, it has to bounce. It has to get going. It has to move. Why? Because that's the law of the jungle. That's how things work. You know, ma mammals, there are many mammals like that that will kill their own offspring. Imagine a human being is doing the same thing. You think that person is going to care about the Prophet ﷺ when he teaches them to, to be kind to the orphan or any of that? He, they're not trying to hear any of those things. They're not trying to live any of these things. They're not trying to do any of these things. And now Allah Ta'ala says to him that now you go and, and take my message to these, the mankind. And don't start with the Romans who know how to read and write. Don't start with the Chinese who have like a rich tradition in philosophy. Don't start with the Buddhists that, you know, teach about uh, uh, mercy and consciousness and all of these things. No, start with these people. They're absolutely crazy. They're literally absolutely the craziest of people. Start with them and start with your family. Who is what? They're like the, the, the most arrogant of the craziest. Start with them. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa it wasn't a joke. When he first started preaching this, this deen, who could he, the only people he could tell is who? He could tell Sayyidah Khadija radiallahu anha. And she believed him. And she was the first one to believe. May Allah Ta'ala give her a high maqam. Alayhi salam. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, give her a high maqam. May Allah Ta'ala uh, 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 increase and preserve her beauty and her honor in this world and in the hereafter. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make all of the sisters of this ummah uh, uh, have a piece of, of the beauty and honor of that Sayyidah Khadija radiallahu ta'ala anha who was there to comfort her husband rather than compete with him. Who's the first ones to believe? Sayyidina Zayd bin Haritha radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Zayd bin Haritha was who? Zayd bin Haritha, somebody, somebody kidnapped him. Imagine, he was a kid, and he's a, he's a kid from, uh, from, from a tribe, from the tribes of the Arabs. Someone kidnapped him and lied and said that this is a slave and sold him into slavery. That slave was given as a gift by Sayyidina Khadija who purchased and didn't know that this happened. What is a little kid going to uh, be able to communicate such a story? Yeah, can, can, she, can, can such a, a little kid, you know, explain like human trafficking to the adults or whatever? Imagine he's going through uh, slave markets. The people who buy and sell slaves, are they nice people? They're the scum of the earth. They're the worst and most disgusting of people. Imagine the slave, slave traders and on top of that, the slave traders of the Arabs of Jahiliyyah. They're not used to somebody caring about what their story is. So by the time he changes hands so many times and gets to the house of Khadija radiallahu anha, he's probably just happy that, look, these people seem like nice people. They're not trying to give me any hard time. We're just going to ride with this. We're just going to go with it. And what happens to the Khadija radiallahu anha gives him as a gift to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa when they get married. This Zayd bin Haritha, what happens? One day his uncle comes for hajj to the, the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he sees him. He says, this is my nephew that's, that was missing from so long ago. He goes back and he gets his brother. And his brother who was a nobleman from, from their tribe. He comes and he finds uh, uh, Zayd in Makkah Mukarramah. And he says to him, he says, my son, don't you remember from so long ago, we were separated from one another. And he was indeed happy to see his uncle. He's indeed happy to see his father. And he says, what happened? And so he tells his father the story. And then he says, he says, okay, well, come, let's go talk to him and, you know, like, let's work something out. So what happens is that the father of Zayd bin Haritha comes to the Prophet ﷺ. And he says, look, I understand this is a very unfortunate misunderstanding. You people paid money for him thinking he's a slave, but he's not a slave. He's a free man from a noble family of the Arabs. And he's my son. So I see that you're a person who loves good and you love justice. So let me give you let me give you back the money that his his value is so that to compensate so as to compensate for your for your loss so that I'm not just uh, causing trouble inside of your life. They were good people. You can see like a good son comes from a good father as well. And so what happens is the messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam he says what did he, what did he say? He says ask him ask the boy what does he want to do? No coercion from my side, no coercion from your side. 
Ask him, what does, what does he want to do? Does he want to go with you or does he want to stay with me? If he wants to go with you, he can go and I don't want, I don't want any, any money, any, uh, uh, any uh, uh, compensation from you whatsoever. You take him and be happy. He said, if he wants to stay with me, however, let him stay. They asked Sayyidina Zayd bin Haritha, what do you want to do? What kind of person is that, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? That this child is sold into slavery. This child is sold into slavery. Like Sayyidina Yusuf alayhi imagine like he was sold into slavery as a child, treacherously. In the, in the middle of Jahiliyyah. And his father comes and finds him. And he has a choice. You go, either you go with your father or you can stay with me. So what kind of, what kind of a person would do that? That the Prophet ﷺ gives him a choice and his father, he gives him a, cho- he gives him a choice between his father and the Prophet ﷺ. And that Zayd bin Haritha apologizes to his father. He apologizes to his father. It's not like he hates him. It's not like he's been brainwashed or disrespects him or any of those things. He says, my father, I love you. You're my father. He said, I, w- I would, would love to go with you. But he said, this person, I've seen some things from him. I've seen certain things from him. He said, I've never seen them with anybody else ever in my life. He says that I, I've seen such things from him. Sallallahu alayhi wasallam. I've seen such things from him that I would never leave him. I would never leave him ever. This is before Nubu'ah, by the way. This is before Iqra. This is before Nubu'ah. He knew the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So who's the first people who accept the, the, the message from him sallallahu alayhi wasallam? First Sayyidina Khadija radiallahu anha, Sayyidina Zayd bin Haritha radiallahu ta'ala anhu, Sayyidina Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu anhu, who was the best friend of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, even before Nubu'ah, even before Iqra. Who is it? Just a few people. Why? Because at this point the Prophet sallallahu has received this word and he's received the command to uh, uh, spread this message, but no, no, not much further instruction. So a reasonable person would think what? This is jahiliyyah. These people are crazy. They kill people for far smaller things than this. So what am I going to do? I'm going to tell those people that I trust. Who are the first people who accept Islam? Sayyidina uh, uh, Abu Bakr Siddiq goes and gets Abdurrahman bin Awf. He gets Sa'ad bin Abi Waqas, Talha, uh, uh, Talha ibn Ubaidillah. He gets the, the uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, Zubair ibn Awam. He gets who? He gets the, uh, uh, those, those people who are Sayyidina Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Sayyidina Ali radiallahu anhu. He gets these people who are the closest ones to the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa And those are the ones who accept Islam. And they can't even tell anybody else why because they're afraid. Then Allah ta'ala in subsequent revelation says what? No, it's not enough. Now go, go in and warn your, your, your close relatives. This is, now this is really difficult. Okay, who here has like relatives that respect them? Raise your hand. While I, give me a chance to drink my chai while you guys raise your hand, the two of you. You guys are, must have some spectacular relatives. Because it's not my relatives. It's not my relatives. It's not the relatives of any. Janab Mulana Faraz, do your, do your close relatives uh, uh, seek your advice with regards to matters of deen? No. I remember one of the, one of the ulama, there was one, uh, where's Mufti Nu'man? There was one uh, 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 old school graduate of Deoband from Northern California. He came to, he came, there's a shadi hall, there's like a wedding hall right next to my house. And this guy is like hardcore, real stern, like, you know, Malana Saab, he's like, he's like old school, you know, he's like a, a, a very stern scholar. We grew up like seeing, seeing him in the masjid whenever we would visit Northern California. And so I see him, bam, in the, like just randomly in the, in, the, in the Shalimar banquets. It's like a mile from my house at, at a wedding that I'm, I'm invited to. And he says, yeah, you know, the groom's uncle's, you know, uh, whatever veterinarian's cousin is related to my this and that. And so they ex- explain how he's here. And he's, so, so I came and all of my brothers came. So I thought, this, this guy, who's his brothers? They're going to like roll out into, uh, into Shalimar banquets like, like Gandalf the Grey or something like that. You know, like big, like senior, like mashayikh looking dudes. Wallahi, not a topi on the head, not a beard on the face. Every single one of them seemed to be like so stone cold, like normal to almost like secular and completely awkwardly out of place in the majlis of, of, of the ulama, the mashayikh. Then I realized, you know what? This is a sunnah of Allah Ta'ala. Nobody's relatives listen to them. And what does Allah Ta'ala do to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam? The first people, the, the first people he commands him to go, go take this message to is who? Go tell your, now go tell your relatives. Go tell your relatives. I wonder how that's going to go. 
Is it going to be easy? Is it going to be fun? I wonder how that's going to go. Let me tell you how, because Allah Ta'ala in the Torah called the Prophet says, I call you the one who trusts, trusts in me. He knows how it's going to go, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. But Allah said it, so let's just give it a try. We'll see, is it, you know, like, is it, you know, there's some good that's going to come out of it. Not because, like, I can understand how much, how much good will come out of it, but because Allah said so and everything that comes from Allah is, what? Everything comes from Allah, there's good in it, there's khair in it. So what happens, he gathers them all together, and he, he, he gives them the da'wah, tells them about la ilaha illallah, and that he's the messenger of Allah, and that this is what the commandments are, and that this is what the reward will be, and all of these things. And he says, who's with me? And guess how many people respond? Only one person responds. Sayyidina Ali ta'ala anhu, who's at this point something like 9 years old or 11 years old or something like that. And the Arabs, the Arabs in Jahiliyyah, like I said, they used to worship their forefathers. The elders were like the most like sacred people to them, right? What does the word Shaykh mean, right? Shaykh literally means old man. Now in Islam, Shaykh means like a person of knowledge and piety and taqwa, right? So if you see some guy who's like 80 years old, like drinking a bottle of wine on the street, you'll be like, this is not a Shaykh, right? Whereas in Jahiliyyah, that's what it was. All their elders, they used to respect their elders like, like irrational, like religious type of respect. So what does it mean that in the gathering of all of Banu Hashim, the only person who stands up and accepts the, uh, accepts the da'wah is 11 years old? Max. What does that mean? They all started laughing at him. Abu Lahab looks at his brother, Abu Talib, and he says, look at your nephew. Your nephew is calling you to such a deen in which this like boy is like a, a greater chief in Quraysh than you are. He's greater than you because he accepted this deen before you did. And he says, this is, he, he, asks, he, he says to the Prophet Sallallahu He says, is this what you gathered us here for? This joke? Is this what you gathered us here for? He said, may your hands turn to dust. And he gets up and leaves. Did Abu Talib accept the deen at that time? No. He doesn't accept it really ever. He comes close to accepting it at some point, but he doesn't accept the deen at that time for sure. Does Abbas radiallahu anhu, who actually will accept it later on, does he accept it at that time? No. Does Abu Lahab accept it? Absolutely not. What did Allah Ta'ala say? Now the surah comes down saying that this Abu Lahab, the one who said that, may your hands turn to dust. His hands are the ones who are going to turn to dust. He's going to turn to dust. He's going to perish. And there's an, actually a surah in the Quran lampooning him. There's actually a surah in the Quran lampooning him, lampooning his wife as well. Now the Prophet Sallallahu he's like in a, he's in a jam. Now his own family, like a, a powerful ally from his family is cut off from him. Did he stop? No. He kept going. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, Fasda' bima tu'mar. Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala commands him at some point. Now, go open this circle up, widen this circle and, and call people and tell people the, 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 the thing that you were commanded to do. And he gathers the Quraysh, all of them together. And there are people who are hostile to his clan, there are people who are hostile to his family, there are people who are hostile to him, there are people who are hostile to his message, there are people who are hostile to his economics, there all, everything, all of these things, now it becomes a focal point to the point where the Prophet ﷺ, he cannot pray anymore without getting attacked. He literally, he used to have guards, stand guard while he used to uh, pray. Did you know that? Very few people know that. Because we watch too many movies, you think everything is like, mashallah, you and I, we all think everything is like a movie, like life is like a movie. You're like uh, some sort of Marvel superhero, or you're some, like some sort of like Jedi Knight that like, you know, the, that you pray and like the whatever blasts just bounce off of you or whatever. No brothers and sisters, they, they didn't, don't blast off. They hit you and they hurt. They hurt a lot. They hurt a lot. The Prophet wasallam, he used to have guards that used to stand guard while he would pray. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ya ayyuhar rasoolu balig ma unzila ilayka min rabbika fa illam tafa'al fa ma ballagta risalatahu fa ma ballagta risalatihi. Limada, li anna man katama ba'dahu fa ka'annama katama kullahu. So, O oh, oh Messenger, take this message to its intended audience. And if you fail to take any part of it to its intended, intended audience, you have not taken any of this message to it, its intended audience. Wallahu ya'asimuka min al nas. Allah Ta'ala is the one who takes responsibility of protecting you from the people. Literally after this ayah came down, the Prophet ﷺ in the midst of peril, danger, danger to his life, he could die. 
Most people who try something, even a tenth this, this, this uh, uh, difficult, will die. Will die trying. What did, what did uh, Allah Ta'ala say? Allah Ta'ala says, don't worry, Allah will protect you from the people. So it's a, it's a narration that the Prophet ﷺ, after this uh, ayah was revealed, Allah Ta'ala said to his guard, or Nabi ﷺ said to his guards what? He said, in sarifu, faqad asamani Allahu. So you can go now. Allah Ta'ala has protected me. You can go now. Allah Ta'ala has protected me. Sammaytuka al-mutawakkil. Allah Ta'ala said that I, I call you the one who trusts in me. That that messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the Quraysh of Mecca, they tried their hardest to kill him. They tried their hardest to harm him. What excuses would come inside of their hearts that they couldn't kill him. The excuses they would say on their tongues that they couldn't kill him. Why? Because we don't want Banu Hashim to take vengeance from us. Because, you know, we don't want, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, the other Arabs to say, Oh, look, he, uh, you know, we, the Quraysh are killing people inside the Haram. We don't want the... But what was the actual thing, the only thing that was protecting the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam? Allah Ta'ala is the only one who protected the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Why? Because he trusted in him. You want to know what the Muhammadan reality is, what the Haqiqah Muhammadiyah was? Is it the one who puts his trust completely in Allah Ta'ala? Allah Ta'ala is the one who trusts him, is, is the one who protects him. Allah Ta'ala is the one who protects him. That Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Allah Ta'ala was the one who protected him and it's the same protection he afforded to every single one of his companions. Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu ta'ala anhu. There was, there was a, a, a time when the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam himself was openly attacked. And anyone who supported him, anyone who supported him, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, was also openly attacked. Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu ta'ala anhu was also, uh, his protection was, his protection in the system of Jahiliya was withdrawn from him. And one of the traders from another tribe from, from the Arabs, from outside of Makkah Mukarramah, who knew Abu Bakr Siddiq in Jahiliya said, you're a good man. These people should not lay a finger on you. So anyone who lays a finger on this Abu Bakr, he makes a fight with me, I, put, I give my protection to him. And after that, what happened? They stopped, they stopped harming him, radiallahu ta'ala anhu. What did he say? He said, if the Prophet sallallahu isn't under the protection of, uh, 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 of the tribal system of the Arabs, what do I need to be under the protection of the tribal system of the Arabs with? What do I need to be under that protection? Why? Because they understood, they also took the path of Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa It's one deen, it's one reality in the heavens and the earth, it's the same way. It's the same path. They all took it up. Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He said in the Torah, uh, in the description of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, that Allah ta'ala will not take you back until, until He will get the, the qawm of ummiyin. He will get the nation of unlettered people to say, La ilaha illallah, to accept and to admit that there is no God except for Allah. And through you, He will... He will uh, uh, open those eyes that were blind. And He will open those ears that were, were, were deaf, that were blocked. And He will open those hearts that were encrusted in rest. He will make them alive again. Now tell me something. Now tell me something. Does this uh, description, does it describe Sayyidina Isa Did his qawm accept him before he left from this world? Before Allah Ta'ala took him up back into the heavens from this world? Did his, his people accept him? No, absolutely not. Neither did Banu Israel accept him, except for Shirdimatun Qalilun. Nor did the A'ajim, except for very few people. Nor did the, nor did the, 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 the Goy, the non-Israelite people accept him. And those who did, a majority of them accepted him only through their uh, Neoplatonic uh, shirk understanding of him being the son of God, something that he never preached to himself uh, a day in his life, never came from his mouth, alayhi salatu wasalam. Who does this description? Who does this description uh, that's there in Isaiah in the in the in the uh, the <coughs> revelation of the uh, of the uh, Israelite religion in the revelation of the, the 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 Hebrew Bible? Who does it describe? Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. This is something that w- that's known. It's known to all of the nations. If you want to know what the Muhammadan reality, what the Hakika Muhammadiyah is, don't think about fourteen hundred years. 1400 years was a good, it was, it was a good ride. It still is a good ride, mashallah. I'll admit that. But that's not all. There's an entire tarikh before it. That the Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa he was a Nabi when Sayyidina Adam alayhi salam was still between earth and water. Meaning he, he wasn't even physically created yet. Rather in the ilm of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, 
Rasulullah was his messenger. And every single one of the angels knew it. And every single one of the prophets not only knew it, they, they told their, their followers that this is something you have to accept. If you don't accept this, then your deen is not complete. Your, your deen is not acceptable to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That the Jannah will be haram on the person who doesn't bear witness to the Risal and the Nubu of the Prophet How many of the Anbiya alayhim came? And they only have one follower. How many of them came? It comes in the hadith, Yom Qiyamah, there'll be a Nabi shows up only with three people. These are the only people who followed me. Some of them will show up, there's only two people. They're the only ones who followed me. Someone will show up, only one follower. Some of them will show up alone. Nobody followed him and his people killed him afterward. What gets them going? You know, people get disappointed really easily. People get disappointed really easily. Imagine if you're saving up like, you know, money for something. You're saving up money for a car and then like you're like just $100 more and you can go and buy your car that you were saving money for and that day you get robbed and all your money is gone. You're going to be disappointed? You're going to be very disappointed. You're going to try to save up that much money again? You're going to be like, nah, this dunya, look at this dunya. This dunya is all nonsense. You know, I'm going to buy a cheap car this time. If I, if I just bought a cheap car, I would have been going around instead of now I have nothing. I saved and I put, invested all my hopes and dreams in something, I have nothing. You know why those, those uh, uh, followers of those Prophets والسلام, and those Prophets والسلام, didn't, didn't have this notion come through their mind and through their heart? Because every single one of them knew. Whatever happens to me, whatever happens to my people, whichever sick and disgusting kafir, person who is an enemy of Allah and His Rasul wasallam. A person who is an enemy of the poor, a person who is an enemy of the weak, who a person who is an enemy of the sick, a person who is an enemy of justice, a person who is an enemy of righteousness, a person who is the friend of every evil thing, every selfish thing, every vice, every disgusting and, and shaitanic, satanic habit. A day will come, this Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Allah Ta'ala will literally plant him like in the most evil of places, in the most evil of circumstance. Every one of those shayateen are going to hate them, they can't do a thing about it. They're not going to do a damn thing about it. They're not able to do a damn thing about it. You watch. Allah Ta'ala describes the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in the Injil. And then he repeats that description in the Injil in the Surah Al-Fatih. He says that the Injil describes Sayyidina Isa his, his, his revelation describes the, the companions of Sayyidina Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Sayyidina Muhammad Rasulullah Walladina Ma'ahu Ashidda'u Ala Al-Kuffari Ruhama'u Bainahum Muhammad is the messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and those who are with him are stern and harsh <coughs> against those people who are antagonistic to Allah and to his deen Ruhama'u Bainahum and they're merciful with one another Right? Not like nowadays, what do we do? We have like interfaith uh, night at the masjid and everybody's like, oh look, you know, Bill, thank you, but welcome to our uh, masjid. Do you know Islam means peace? And they're like so nice to them, which is good, you should be nice to them. You know? But then once Bill, Bill and Jane have left the masjid, then what? Astaghfirullah, brother, you put your foot on the toe, your toes on the line instead of your heels. I hate Muslims. I'm never doing business with Muslims. I'm never going to diss with Muslims. Muslims fight about everything. Muslims are backers. Muslims, no, that's not how. That's not how they're describing the Quran. Kuffar, the people who are the enemies of Allah and His religion. They're, they're, they're harsh with them. They know better not mess with these people. We need to be careful around these people. When they're with one another, though, they're soft with one another. They're kind with one another. They forgive one another. Right? Tarahum ruka'an sujjadan. Yeah. You see them, what is their description? That you see them in ruku' and you see them in sajda. And you see them constantly looking for Allah's grace. That can I do something? What can I do? Right? You see them moving tables around in Masjid Hamza. You see them sitting on the floor when they could have sit, be sit, sitting on their couch watching something on Netflix. Right? How many people, mashallah, are in the house of Allah? Is your house like the house of Allah? If you want to know the answer to that question, ask, are you like Allah? No. Not even slightly. Your house is not like the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There's some people sitting on their couch right now watching Air Tribal on Netflix thinking they're gonna, somehow bettering the ummah right now. Instead of watching a movie about somebody, why don't you go do it yourself? That Those people, people are sitting at home watching like, you know, and those are like, illallah, illallah. You, why don't you just come to the masjid and say la ilaha illallah yourself, man? What's better? If you do it, maybe they'll make a TV show about you one day. 
Instead of being the, I mean, the person who's sitting on their couch, you know, there's people sitting on their couch doing worse things than that. So I'm not trying to like dog them, but I'm saying like, look, there's a better way, right? They're going and looking for the grace of Allah, the Ridwan, that how will Allah Ta'ala be pleased with, with me? Do you see the marks in their foreheads uh, from, the, from, from having made sajda? And the, the Prophet Sallallahu their sajda used to be in the, in the dirt. They didn't have carpets in the masjid. I don't know if you noticed that. They didn't have car- carpets in the masjid. What did they, they used to make? Sajda in the earth. Do it one time. You're not going to die. It's not going to kill you. You're not going to die of germs and like whatever. You're not going to die inshallah. Don't do it in like, like the sewer or the gutter or whatever. Go in a grass field to make sajda on the earth. So that a piece of grass will stick to your forehead and you can say, Ya Allah, look how happy I am because I'm also nasimahum fi wujuhihim min athar sujood That the mark that came to their foreheads also came to my forehead also because of this one sajda that I made. Those are the people they spent their lifetimes doing it. Do it one time also so that you can also like, you know, be like the one that you love. Al-Mar'u ma'aman ahabba. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was asked a number of times questions regarding how are we going to ever be as good as you? How are we ever going to be as good as your good companions? You know how? Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam gave the answer, Al-Mar'u ma'aman ahabba. A person will be with the one that, that they love. If you love them, that's the point of coming here. You hear about them, you love them. You hear about this haqiqah Muhammadiyah, you love it. Maybe Allah will give you a part of it. Even a small part is enough. Even a small part is enough. This is such a big river, such a wide and mighty river. Even if one drop of it sprays onto you and hits you and touches you, everything, your dunya and your akhirah, you'll be set. You'll be set. This is an entire river. Go swim in it. But if you can't, even if one drop of it hits you, you'll be fine. He says, so what? They, seeking the, the, the grace of Allah Ta'ala and seeking the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala, uh, uh, their, their, the, their sign is in their foreheads uh, by, the, by the, the effect of their sajda on the ground. This is their example in the Torah. And their example in the Injil is what? Like a, a plant which grows so quickly, it shoots out of the ground and it be, grows so quickly and it becomes so, uh, uh, that plant becomes so strong and so thick and so like... Uh, 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 so alive to the point where the other farmers are like what kind of crop is this? we've never seen a crop like this before what happened? what happened to the uh, Rasul that didn't happen to any, anyone else from the Anbiya of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is those Sahaba those Arabs they came from nowhere go read the books of history the, even the mention of the Arabs is almost non-existent. It's like the Greeks, Romans, they didn't even know who they were. Why, why should they know who they were? They have no written language, they have no trade, they have no culture, they have no civilization, they produce nothing, they fight amongst each other, they kill their own children, what are they going to do for anybody else? Out of the, literally, literally out of the middle of nowhere, all these people are like, oh, you hear about the Arabs? The A-what? The Arabs. You hear about them? No. Well, they just conquered Syria, they just put an end to the Persian Empire, they just conquered Egypt, they just this and that. And Malana Faraz was talking about this before the, the Salat al-Maghrib, uh, for those of you who were here. It came out of nowhere. The other farmers, when they see how big like, this crop gets so quickly, they're like, wow, what is this? What is this? We've never seen anything like this before. And that, 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 that power, that energy, that life, <coughs> that makes them like that. The kuffar, when they see it, it makes them burn inside. This is not the only time, by the way, that people hate on Muslims and Islam. This is the old story. This is like that from day one. This is the old story. It's like that from day one. You want people, oh man, we need to prevent, we need to pass a law against Sharia. You know, we need to pass a law before Sharia takes over America. What do you mean Sharia takes over America? Go open a crack of fiqh book open, right? What, are you afraid people are going to start making istinja? They're going to wash themselves after they go to the bathroom? What, are you, are you afraid that they're going to make hustle when they're in Janaba? What are you afraid of? They're going to pray? Their prayers are going to affect you? The only way you should be afraid of that is if you know that there's no God except for Allah and that Muhammad is his messenger and that the Salat is being accepted. They all know. They all know. The person who's never put his forehead on the ground before and claims that he uh, uh, knows God, when they see you put your forehead on the ground, they're like, oh, smack, these guys are, <laughs> these guys are doing it in a way that it never even occurred to us before. He says that I won't take you back until, until, the, 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 until you get the, the ummiyin, the unlettered, ignorant people to say, La ilaha illallah, that there's no God except for Allah. And through you, the eyes that were blind will be opened, and the ears that were deaf will be opened, and the hearts that were encrusted and dead will be brought to life again, that they'll feel again. 
this, uh, my brothers and sisters, this tariqah Muhammadiyah, this Muhammadan path, and this haqiqah Muhammadiyah, this Muhammadan reality of the Prophet ﷺ, this is what we're here to learn. That the Prophet ﷺ is not just a storybook. There are people who actually learned what this path was, what this reality was, and they brought it into their lives. And sure, none of us are going to ever be anything compared to Rasulullah ﷺ. We're not going to be anything compared to him. We're not even going to be anything compared to his companions or his companions' companions or his companions' companions' companions. But what I promise you is that nobody will hear about Rasulullah and learn something about his path except for that person will be something. And what does it mean to be on that path? Rasulullah what does it mean? But at the same time, to be mutawasul al-ahzan. That the Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa was described as the one who is the one who meets, the, whose sunnah is what? To meet your brother with a smiling face. To meet your brother with a smiling face. There are many people who do it. Ronald McDonald does it. You guys know who Ronald McDonald is? Stuff for a man. I think you guys, you guys are a little bit too excited about Ronald McDonald, mashallah. It's haram. Don't eat. Don't eat. Don't eat at, at McDonald's. I'm giving you fatwa right now. Don't eat there. Go to go to go to Habib's uh, uh, falafel takeout. Right? You know Ronald McDonald's. He also meets everybody with a smiling face. The, the, that's not in and of itself any sort of perfection. That could be just a sign of like mental illness. To be honest with you, Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam used to meet his brothers, alayhi salatu wasallam, his companions with a smile. But at the same time, he used to be with Tawasul al-Ahzan. He was the one who would go from one grief to another grief to another grief. Every single one of his children died in front of his eyes except for Sayyidina Fatima radiallahu anha. What does that mean? He didn't bury them alive. No, they died. He loved them. He loved them. And they all died. Every, every one. I say that Khadija radiallahu anha. He loved her. She died. And she died what? She died sacrificing for the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Everyone he loved died in front of his eyes. Say the Fatima died six months after he passed away, and he was given the news of that also before he died. He was the one, nobody loved the Kaaba more than him, nobody loved Mecca more than him, he had to leave it. Nobody loved it more than him, he had to leave it. He was the one, nobody was more dutiful to his elders, they're the ones who turned their back on him. It caused him pain, it caused him suffering. All of these difficulties, mutawasil al-ahzan, his companions used to, his companions, uh, you know, he loved them. And what happened? They gave their lives for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That same Zayd bin Haritha, imagine that, he chose, chose to stay with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa That same Zayd bin Haritha was shaheed fi sabilillah in the battle of Mu'tah. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa cried. He wept when he heard these things. Ja'far bin Abi Talib, the full brother of Sayyidina Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu. He was shaheed fi sabilillah in the same battle. The one who was the, 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 that physically resembled the Prophet ﷺ in his physical form. That's how close of uh, relatives they were. He was the Amir of the, the, the Jama'at of Muslims that made Hijra to where? Where did they make Hijra to, Yusuf? Where, where did they make Hijra to? He's like, I don't know. Anyone? Where did they make Hijra to? Where? Abyssinia. Habasha, where's, come on man, where's the Horn of Africa, where's my Somali brothers, where's my Ethiopian brothers, mashallah. You should be proud. You should, you should, this is an honor Allah Ta'ala gave to your lands. That the Sahaba radiallahu anhum set foot over there before they set foot in the place of, places of the other people. Allahu Akbar. Sayyidina Ja'far bin Abi Talib was the emir, he was the emir of that group of people that, that went to uh, Habasha. And, and, and what? These people gave their lives for the sake of Allah Ta'ala. And Rasulullah wept. He cried for all of them. It was difficult for him. He, gave, he, he, he had every single thing he had. He lost it for the sake of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala when it came to Islam. To the point where he never had anything. He died broke Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He was one of the noblemen of Quraysh. After that, what does it mean to smile all the time when you meet your brother? Tell me, is there somebody who can follow that sunnah? There are people who follow that sunnah. There are people who follow that sunnah. Your car, you went to Masjid Hamza and your car gets smashed in and you slip and like, you know, break your leg on your way home and, this, and people are like, I don't know if I'm going to go to the retreat next year, right? I don't know if I'm going to go to the retreat next year. Rasulullah got the teeth knocked out of his mouth, a'udhu billah. It's not funny. 
It's not funny. He's, he, he, imagine he's bleeding. Would you like to see your mother, someone hit her so hard that she's bleeding? Would you like to see your grandfather like that? What does it mean, Sayyidah Fatima radiallahu anha? She's like a girl and she has to see her father like that. The Quraysh beat him so hard because of what? Because he stole something? Because he lied? Because he cheated? Because he's a criminal? Absolutely not. Just because he said the haq. He said, La ilaha illallah. He told them to treat the orphans well. He told them to be just. He told them to speak the truth. And they, what, they heard him for that. She saw, she's a little girl. She saw her father go through all of that. And still, still, then to meet your, your, your brother with a smiling face, that's a, that is nothing short of amazing. Let me tell you something. Normal people cannot do that. Normal people cannot do that. You cannot come to a bayan in Masjid Hamza and be like, oh, Rasulullah did it, so next time I get upset, I'm going to do it too. You can't do it. It's not going to happen. I promise you it's not going to happen. You're going to try faking it for five minutes and then you're going to be like, I can't do this anymore. Shaitan will come into your head and say all sorts of reasons why you shouldn't be smiling, why you shouldn't be happy, why you shouldn't uh, be nice to other people. Because the world, look how badly it treated you, now we should pay everybody back. That's how normal people think. Rasulullah wasn't Muhammad is not the father of any of your men. Rather, he is the messenger of Allah and the seal of the Prophet He wasn't a normal person. That's what this whole deen is about, this Muhammadan reality, this Muhammadan way. Which is what? There's a hadith of the Prophet ﷺ in, the, in which the Prophet ﷺ tells his companions what? He says, Akthiru. He says, he says, he says, make excessive remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Make the dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so much, so much, until the people say, this person is crazy. Well, it's not like just for fashion. Someone's going to say, oh, Shaykh, look, he has a sibha bid'a. Okay, do it on your fingers. Count in your head. Do whatever works for you. What's the point? What's the point of making the dhikr of Allah Ta'ala? That you make the dhikr of Allah Ta'ala until the people think that you're? What? That you've lost your mind. What happened with the Sahaba radiallahu ta'ala on whom? Anybody sees all of his children die in front, of, uh, in front of his eyes and goes through all of these pain and suffering, difficulty, loses his home, gets kicked out of his home, uh, etc. And the person is still smiling all the time, what will we say? Because we know that the deen is reality, it's haqq, we say this person has great iman. The people to whom iman is just pie in the sky in July, this guy's gone crazy. What does it mean, Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq, anhu, if you had to choose a word to describe him, would you say he's a nice guy or a mean guy? Anyone read enough about Abu Bakr Siddiq that they can make some sort of judgment with regards to his character? What would you say? Nice guy or mean guy? He's a very nice guy, extremely soft-hearted person. Extremely soft-hearted person. You know, he met, he met his son who fought with the mushrikeen against the Muslims on the Battle of Badr. And he, his son says to him afterward, later on when he becomes a Muslim, he says, oh my father, there was, uh, there was times in battle where you came underneath my sword and I couldn't bring my, myself to bring it down on you because of my love for you. I had so much love for you. I couldn't bring myself to bring my sword down on you. What did Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu anhu say? He said, if you came under my sword on that day one time, I would have, I would have, you, I, you would have been done. done. You would have been toast. I, you, would have, you would have got whacked. Would he say these types of things because he's, harsh? he's not a harsh person? What is it? The iman changes the person from the inside. The people make the dhikr of Allah Ta'ala until the people think this person is crazy. Abu Dhar al-Ghifari stands in front of the Kaaba and uh, declares the tawheed of Allah. The mushrikeen beat him up to the point where he's he, almost like they beat the life out of him. What does he do as soon as he gains consciousness again? I'm out of here, these people are crazy. What did, what did he do? He went straight back and he said it again. What is that? Is that uh, to us? It's like look how great his iman is. To a person who, to them, iman is pie in the sky in July. What is it? He, this person is crazy. How do you? How are you able to do that? When a normal person becomes a normal crazy person, right? Do they go? Do they go out in the public and then talk to everybody and then the, the sinners will leave their sin and the murderer will stop murdering and the thief will stop stealing and the liar will stop lying? And the fornicator will stop fornicating and the drug addict will leave their drugs and the alcoholic will leave their alcohol. Does that happen when a normal person goes crazy? No. That's the difference between iman and crazy. person who doesn't have iman immediately doesn't understand what's going on. They don't see what's going on with these changes in this person. But what's the difference? A crazy person something has, 
broken down in their process of reasoning in their mind. The person of Iman has understood something a normal person doesn't understand. And so the normal person thinks this person is crazy. What is that the, the thing that the person understood? La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah. That the Prophet ﷺ, you want to know about his way, how is it that he was able to? He was able to do all of these things. How is it he was able to? Be mutawasul al-ahzan. Go from one grief to the next grief without any break in the middle, continuously. But still have a smile on his face and be optimistic about the future. Say positive things to his companions instead of negative things. How was it? Because he knew something, he knew something that other people didn't know. He knew someone other people didn't know is who? Allah. Say it, you can say it. Allah. He knew Allah. You can take the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala too. He used to take the name of Allah. His companions used to take the name of Allah ta'ala and tell the people, say, Majani, these people are crazy. That, that they make the dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala again and again until the people thought that they lost their minds, until the people say that we have, we have been the dhikr of Allah ta'ala lost our minds. So I give glad tidings and I give good news. I give glad tidings and I give good news to the one uh, that, 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 that should receive this what? This complete, this complete engrossment, this complete drowning in the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is what this Muhammadan way is. It's not just hearing a story and then going back to the regular life. It's seeing a picture of reality. Afterward, you cannot unsee it. Your life will never be the same again. Your life becomes a life unlike your life. Your day becomes a day unlike your day. And your night becomes a night unlike your night. Your thoughts that were there yesterday, they're gone. They're never going to come back. They've been evicted from, from the home of your heart. Now you think something else. Now you say something else. Now you live something else. There's no, there's no uh, uh, going back uh, uh, to that old thing, nor does anybody want it anymore. Before yesterday, someone used to daydream about driving a Tesla and owning such and such type of house and eating certain foods and then taking a picture of it and putting it on the internet. And now, look, we're in the house of Allah Ta'ala, surrounded by the malaika and the angels, the ulama are sitting here, the zakirin and the, the, the salihin are sitting here, the students of knowledge are sitting here. And now it looks so dumb, all of it looks so dumb. Sounds so dumb, like putting a picture. Who here puts a, takes a picture of their food and puts it on Instagram before you, right? Everyone does it. Just nobody wants to raise their hand. Because it sounds dumb now, right? When we're sitting in this house, it sounds, the house of Allah, it sounds dumb. Why? Because it's already the changes affected you. Imagine that every time the Mubarak name of the Prophet ﷺ is taken, every time this Mubarak name of Allah Ta'ala is taken, the dhikr of Allah Ta'ala is taken, and the two will never be separated. La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah will never be separated. Don't think, why are these people talking about the Prophet ﷺ so much? We don't worship a man, we worship Allah. The reason is what? Did who here saw Allah? Raise your hand. Nobody. Anything we know is just because of the Messenger of Allah. Just like the Kaaba is the house of Allah, but Allah doesn't live in it. He made a place for us to go and visit to show, show our love. Rasulullah is like the Qibla of the Arwah. Every ruh, every spirit who has any good in it. That, 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 that spirit will only, only show its love for Allah Ta'ala through showing its love through, of the Prophet Sallallahu for Allah Ta'ala's sake. This is what Islam is. Some people have forgotten about that. That's their problem. That's their bad. But this is what Islam is. If you want to read the books of Hadith, you want to sit in the company of the Mashaykh, you want to read the books of Fiqh, you want to learn Arabic and read the tradition, this is what our tradition is. Every generation has bore witness to its light and, and to, its, to its benefit and to its efficacy, that it's effective. It's not just like, it's not just words. It's not empty words. Brothers and sisters, you already have been changed every time you hear the Mubarak name of Allah and the name of the Prophet Wasallam and the Salat and Salam on him. So come, sit, even though you don't want to, even though you're tired, even though it's more comfortable to sit at home, it's funner to watch integral, it's funner to go play basketball, all of those things, force yourself to sit. Because when you're doing all those things, your body is enjoying and your spirit is getting tired. It's in pain. Come in this weekend just for a couple of hours. Let your body be in pain for a little while and let your spirit be happy. Don't, it's become sick. It's gotten beaten up. It's gotten harmed so much. You know, it's like walking on crutches. It's on its last leg. It's, it's, it's in pain. It's, 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 it could die. Now put your body through difficulty for a few hours in this weekend. 
so that your spirit can be strong, it can be happy, it can be healthy, it can live again, and also so that it can make a glimpse of this Muhammadan reality and never be the same again. So it can walk down this path and never ever wish to turn back. Just like imagine a person is going to enter into Jannah. I was doing research for the bayan that I have tomorrow about the Shafa'atul Uzma. It's one of the hadith we came, came across was that the person in the lowest, in the most like the lowest maqam in Jannah, Allah Ta'ala will tell him, go, here, here's your place in Jannah. You'll have for you as a reward this entire dunya and like 10 times, 10 times it. And the person will like, like be in front of Allah Ta'ala and say like, how can you laugh at me? How can you joke with me? You're, you're like the king of kings. Like, I don't get it. He doesn't understand. It's not a joke. Who, if somebody, if someone said that, you got 10 times the dunya and you say you want to go back to Prior Lake. So Allah, Allah Ta'ala make us, give us the happiness that we go down this path one day, such a path. Only a knucklehead would want to turn around and look back. Even the knucklehead wouldn't want to turn around and look back. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give it to all of us from his fadl and from his tawfiq. Wa sallallahu ta'ala wa sallam ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.